Welcome to Atrium Talks. Hi, Bhagwan. Hi, Deepa. So in the last episode, we talked about the need for encouraging dissent, promoting free speech and free exchange of ideas. I'm thinking there's an obvious downside to that, right? So if there's, you know, there are many ideas out there, it also creates clutter. It can create dangerous chatter. It can create pernicious news. It can create fake news. Uh, that seems, and also with technology now being able to have such kinds of news go viral and make them more pervasive, uh, you know, the downsides are significant. What do you think of that, Bhagwan? Indeed, there is this paper in science which got the highest number of citations ever by Sinanarul and his co-authors at MIT, right. which showed that fake news travels faster right. than the right news, the factual news. Why is that? Or they suggest that there is two reasons why it is. First is because the fake news is novel. It's easy to make right. things up. Right. Whereas facts are messy. It's right. hard to make them up. And novelty travels much faster. Correct. Plus, there's something else they point out here. There was a thinking that it's because of the technology, because of the bots and other things, why it's traveling faster. What they show is it's not true. It's the human susceptibility that makes fake news travel much faster. Which also seems to suggest that, you know, which is consistent with the idea that this is not the first time we're encountering fake news. Indeed. It's been around Indeed. for many, many decades. So. A lot of people think it's the social media, the new technology, and this fake news was a term created by Trump. But in fact, <laughs> fake news has been with us for a long time. The first incidents of falling costs of transmission hmm. happened with the printing press. Yes, indeed. And exactly the same thing happened at that time. When the printing press came, anybody could write anything. And they could disseminate it very cheaply. Hmm. And exactly the same thing happened 400 years ago. Fake news traveled. People had all kinds of crazy ideas. And they traveled really, really fast. And it's, I guess, the web and the more advanced forms of the web were essentially putting a printing press in everyone's hand. That's right. And you saw this amplifying effect. But the phenomenon itself, what you're saying is has been around for many years. In fact, I would say it's been around for centuries. It's been around. Uh, you know what is the oldest fake news? I can guess what you're coming to, but it's I want to let's... religion. <laughs> sure. Religion yes. is the oldest fake news. No need to do any fact checks. Right, right. And it is coming, as we talked about before, from the human need to belong human need to be part of a group. Excellent. The tribalism. Yeah. That yeah. is what made religion survive and nobody needs to question. It's just faith. Yeah, yeah. And you put these even in the last episode as two uh, opposing points, right, of how we absorb ideas. Either we see it as an objective, scientifically validated uh, fact or we see it as a means for us to belong to a tribe, as you say. Right. Okay. okay. But... Human beings, we as society develop means. That's what I want to ask you about. So just before you get into that, right? When you respond to how was these kinds of news moderated, can you also talk about the evolution of such moderating mechanisms? Yes, indeed. So you see, 
one thing about facts and truth is that truth leaves a trail. Hmm. So it's not just one thing happened. If that happened, something else must have happened too. In fact, the investigative journalists do precisely that. When there is news and they say, go do fact check, they do not do only the fact check of what has happened. They say, oh, if you went there, there must have been somebody who saw you. They look for corroborating evidence. And even in the scientific field, exactly what we do. If a theory is true, what are the other implications? And we go and check for those implications. Also the movement towards greater replication of results. And the greater replication. So we developed institutions. In case of fake news, we developed institutions who were willing to put their reputation online to make sure that this was true news. So you got news media who would say our reputation is at stake and we will not hmm. change that. We will not move away from it if we are in fact lying to you. The scientific discipline also did that by saying that you need to publish your results, you need to publish, you need to share your data and we need to replicate those studies. And there the mechanism works well because if you say something that is totally different, in fact, there are many other people who want to prove you wrong. Right. And right. because they want to prove you wrong, they will actually go and try and replicate that study. So more different your result, more novel your result, more likely it is that it will be in fact checked. All of these collective mechanisms that you're talking about have a collective solution. That's right. So is that what you are also uh, endorsing that, you know, there is a collective needs to participate? I can see in the earlier days, perhaps a more hierarchical or constitutional form of correction. Are you saying that that needs to transform into a more collective form of correction? So indeed, I think the very technology that made it easy for the fake news to travel faster and better, the same technology needs to be tamed to create those institutions. Okay. I am referring to this great book by Jonathan Rauch, who calls it the constitution of knowledge. So there are two models. One is what I call the election model or the populism model. That favors tribalism. That favors no fact-checking. That just says belong to a group and the technology is now allowing these groups to become really, really big. But the other model is that of the Constitution, like the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution of India. There you need a group of wise men and women who are going to keep check to make sure that we fact check and there is some amount of permanence and resilience built. What is their incentive? Incentive is reputation. These institutions are locked up. 20 years ago, Nobody would have believed that this can actually happen in an open source way. Fair but, enough. But Wikipedia proved us Fair enough. Fair enough. Wikipedia is a model of the constitution of knowledge where you get a few people who are going to keep track and make sure that what we are saying is indeed true. So we do fact-checking. We do the investigative journalists. We act like spies and say... What else must be true? So Wikipedia has these set of editors 
who are constantly checking every Wikipedia page, whenever it changes, because people try to play with it, they will go back and check. And in within minutes, if somebody tries to falsify something, it is corrected. Sure. So this Wikipedia model is working. And what Jonathan Rauch is saying is, technology now needs to create a similar mechanism. Who's going to set up this collective? There's, of course, collective participation. I'm going to close with this and just ask you, is it the technology companies who will orchestrate this ecosystem? Who's going to orchestrate this? So some of this is already happening. Correct. And I think the pressure is on technology companies now to own up and do something about it. So the Facebooks and Googles of the world are, in fact, now getting to it. So yes, technology companies themselves are going to do it. But ultimately, it is going to be moderated by the society, the human beings, where collectively, we need to make that as a point of reputation, that if you don't do this, you lose your reputation. And that is what is going to make it work. So it's the institutions, stupid. Yes. Ultimately, it is the institutions that humans create using technology this time to create an institution that uses technology in the same way it was abused. Excellent. Thank you, Bhagwan.